state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Martinez gets the shotgun snap, has plenty of time. Holding, holding, looking, throwing deep downfield. Has Spielman open at the 25. He's got it at the 20, 15, jukes a defender. 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Yep, here we are, Thursday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. Here's what we have coming up tonight. Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com will join us this hour. Robin covers both Husker basketball and football. We'll get his take on the Husker basketball start. They're back in action tomorrow night. South Dakota State at Pinnacle Bank Arena, 8 o'clock tip. We'll get Robin's take on that team and some thoughts from him as well about the Husker football matchup coming up Saturday against Wisconsin. It is Thursday night, and that means it's our Nebraska football radio show. The head coach himself, Scott Frost, will be here in hour number two. So get your comments, questions ready for the head coach. Nebraska prepares for the Badgers, who will be here for an 11 a.m. kick on Saturday. Teddy Greenstein will stop by to start off hour number three, and we'll have our practice report, our JTEC construction practice report for you coming up in hour number three as well and as always phone lines open and available for you at 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371 coach frost earlier today did say that he didn't completely close the door on wandale robinson playing on saturday even kind of hinted that they they were in semi-encouraged that he might play some saturday for the huskers whether that's gamesmanship or not i guess we'll Wait and see. We should find that out uh, when, when the guys are warming up Saturday morning. Well, that'd probably be your first report. What does Wandale look like if he's even dressed for the game? But Wandale, earlier today, Ben, was named as a finalist for the Paul Horning Award, which is given out every year to the most versatile player in college football. One of four finalists, the Louisville Sports Commission, puts out the award. How about that? True freshman being a finalist for that award. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to think. And, you know, he's been so critical to the success of this offense. There was so much chatter about him in the offseason, and you and I were a little nervous about that uh, with how much praise he was garnering from his fellow teammates and his coaches before he had even uh, played in a game yet. It made me real nervous. But he's lived up to those expectations and some. And, um, you know, he was a young man that – we knew of his character and what type of person he was before he commit, you know, the stories that came out about, um, you know, him, him, you know, having lunch with uh, special needs kids and, and, do, and doing things of, of that nature and in high school. And um, I mean, he's been a great person off the field and a great leader off the field for this football team. You know, after a few games this year, he's been the one speaking up and, um, you know, giving his thoughts on what's going on. So he's been a great addition to this program. Nebraska needs a lot more guys like this and obviously the on-field production but you know we heard from Cam Taylor Britt last night you know to get those types of players that it's going to take those types of players to turn this program and not just one a class but it needs to be seven eight nine ten eleven of these guys per recruiting class to to get this thing turned around it can't just be you know a cam taylor brit and the next year it's a wandale you know sprinkling a cam jurgens it can't do you can't make a living off two or three guys a class it's got to be a group a group effort and um you know i feel great that wandale is going to be a part of this program for a long time and you know hopefully he can give it a go on on saturday i'm not going to have any breath, any huh? any type of opinion until i see warm-ups or see how in, involved he is in the warm-ups but um, you know, I think, it, you know, the season that he had has been great for this program. And I think uh, for this coaches, Greg, I think it's a great selling point to recruits, you know, for those those guys that are uh, wanting to come to a big program, a big power five program and, and play right away and not only play right away, but have significant impact. I think that's probably the number one selling point that these coaches have right now to these recruits. And as far as I know, there are eight of them coming in uh, this weekend, and, and that's the pitch. You know, we're, we're not just telling you this to, to, to tell you it, but we need you in here to, to come in and make some plays and, um, you know, be one of those guys that we count on. It is a big recruiting weekend for the Cornhuskers, uh, and the weather should be pretty good for these recruits that are going to be in town. A couple of them have already committed to Nebraska, and obviously there'll be a handful that have not. Wandale leads Nebraska with 1,015 all-purpose yards. He ranks second nationally among freshmen. 
Benny becomes just the fourth true freshman in Nebraska history to go over the 1,000 all-purpose yards. Mark, see if you remember these names. Amon Green, Amir Abdullah, DeMornay Pearsonell. I've heard of all those guys. (laughs) Pretty good company. The winner of this award a year ago was Purdue's Rondale Moore. He won this thing a year ago. Um, Saquon Barkley won it two years ago. Christian McCaffrey won it three years ago. So he is one of four finalists along with Kentucky junior wide receiver, kick returner Lynn Bowden, LSU junior running back Clyde Edwards, and Virginia wide receiver, kick returner Joe Reed. Those are the other finalists along with Wandale Robinson. Pretty cool stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, that's great company too. You saw what Clyde Edwards Hilaire did for LSU against Alabama last week. And, um, you know, I think this just the company that he's in says a lot. Lynn Bowden is a guy that, uh, you know, they, they lost their all-time leading rusher a year ago in Benny Snell to a team that's going to play tonight in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, it's a special player in Bowden. And so much is the case with injuries that they made him play white, starting to play quarterback now. I mean, they're, they're just like, okay, well, we don't really have an option. We're going to run the Wildcat every play and let you throw it a few times. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a a good good batch of company to be in if you're if you're Wandale and you know speaks to how well you've been doing this year. And Wandale, a finalist for the Paul Horning Award. Paul is a, a great college and obviously National Football League player with the Green Bay Packers. November, one of the busiest months of the year in college sports because you have the fall sports still going and the winter sports have now kicked off. And for guys like Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com, it's really, really busy. And while a lot of us, Robin, were able to enjoy a bye week last week with football being off, you were busy, right? You were in PBA covering some hoops. Yeah, you know, it's uh, November. So November is the, the month of grinding for, for the basketball football types. But, uh, you know, we do it because we love it. Did you did you see some improvement from game one to game two for Fred Hoiberg's group? Yeah, I, I did. Um, now, again, it wasn't nearly enough to make it good enough, but compared to um, that effort the first night out compared to Saturday, uh, there, there were some signs of improvement, and a lot of it was uh, just in some of the intangible stuff. You know, the shooting was still bad uh their free throw shooting was bad and there's still some of the defensive breakdowns but what you saw was better efforts um and more fights uh when times got tough and more resilience uh when adversity hit uh within the game whereas you know that uc riverside game um, as soon as uh, riverside came back and eventually took that lead at halftime uh nebraska just crumbled and the, a close game that you know they arguably still should have won uh, turn into a 19-point home blowout. And then the next time out, that, that same thing happened where uh, Southern Utah came back um, after you know, a, a pretty comfortable, I think, 14-point second-half lead. Uh, but Nebraska still found ways to stay in the game. And, again, it, it wasn't good enough to win, which is the most important part, but it was a step in the right direction, which looking in kind of the big-picture view of what this season is going to be, those are the types of ways that you can gauge how much progress and success uh, you know, this, this season actually is, far more so in my opinion than wins and losses because they're going to lose a lot of games and they're going to lose you know, some lopsided defeats. But what you can evaluate is who are the guys that are going to step up and emerge as that core group that this staff can build upon for the future. You know, who are going to be the guys that are vocal leaders during media that the other team goes on a 10-0 run? Uh, that just on-court leadership uh, needs to improve as much as anything. Uh, and then who's going to be the guy that wants the ball with the game on the line? Uh, you saw glimpses of that with, you know, Jervais. Uh, but this is still so much a work in progress that um, success probably needs to be defined in different areas than just the record because uh, this team has a lot of growing to do and it's going to come at the expense of, uh, like I said, a, a, a long, difficult season in a lot of ways. Okay, up next for the Hoopsters is, is South Dakota State tomorrow night. What, uh, is how, how winnable a game is this? Is this one Husker fan should expect that the Big Red win or is this going to be another dogfight? I think at this point, I don't know if you can expect any any game to be uh, a victory going in, uh, especially because 
Nebraska needs to show that it can um, not beat itself or it can make shots. I mean, that's, that's probably the most concerning thing of anything is it doesn't matter who they're playing. If Nebraska can't put the ball through the hoop, they're not going to beat anybody. Uh, right now, they rank dead last in the Big Ten in field goal percentage, scoring, free throw percentage, and are second to last in three-point percentage. Uh, and they rank no higher than 304th out of 351 Division One teams in any of those categories. So uh, offense has been a real disaster, which is crazy because if you had asked me before the year, uh, one thing that this team would actually be able to do well I would have told you they could shoot and score. Uh, you know that we knew rebounding was going to be an issue. We knew defense was going to have some problems. Uh, this, the chemistry was going to be a work of progress. But you know, I, I figured that Fred Hoiberg's offense was going to be able to at least score some points. But um, you know, they're one of the lowest scoring teams in the country right now. Uh, and until that improves, it doesn't matter what uh, the, the opponent's name is, they're going to struggle. So uh, if Nebraska can shoot better they're going to have a good chance to win because it's the young South Dakota state team that uh, I think only has two upperclassmen on their, in their rotation. They got a lot of freshmen kind of getting their first taste of college basketball, but uh, you know, this is also a team that's going to have a lot of uh, emotion on their side. South Dakota state, no matter what sport it is, they always travel well to Lincoln. You know, they, they love coming to Nebraska and, whether it's football or basketball or whatever. Uh, there's going to be a crowd there. And then you add in the fact that, there's a couple of Nebraska kids on that South Dakota State roster that are going to have a following of their own. Uh, David Winget, if people remember, uh, the star player from that Winnebago mm-hmm. high school team that, that won the state championship, uh, he transferred from Memphis and was ruled immediately, immediately eligible, and uh, he leads the team in three-pointers right now off the bench. I would be surprised, wouldn't be surprised if the entire town of Winnebago makes its way to Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, and are going to be cheering on South Dakota State. And then Baylor uh, Shireman, uh, freshman from Aurora, he's on that team that's getting some minutes off the bench as well. So, you know, it's going to be a weird dynamic in that crowd. I mean, uh, Friday night, 8 o'clock, you know, with Nebraska, you know, with, with the way the first two games have gone, um, that could be a fairly balanced uh, crowd where if Nebraska doesn't play with high energy right away, uh, it, it could make for a, a strange scene. So, you know, I think Nebraska should win if they play it the way that they're, or at least I think they're capable of. But uh, right now they have a lot to prove for me to say that with a lot of confidence. Robin Washington is with us from Husker Online. The uh, this early signing period opened yesterday. Nothing from men's basketball, and I don't know that we anticipate anything over the next week. Uh, what's up with Donovan Williams, the young man from North Star? has been committed to Nebraska for some time. W- what have you been able to discern why he's not signing right now? Yeah, eventually um, was a decision made by Donovan and his family to uh, kind of take a little bit more time with this process. And that's a result of, you know, a lot has changed since he uh, reaffirmed his commitment to Fred Hoiberg back in the spring. Um, you know, obviously, uh, when he did that, uh, a lot has changed with this roster. Uh, you know, I don't even think there was you know, more than a handful of players even in place um, compared to what the team is right now. So I think he's still trying to figure out what this team is going to look like next year and what his role on that roster could potentially look like. Um, and for Nebraska side, you know, Donovan suffered a pretty significant knee injury um, at the very start of the AAU season, and he's not even uh, running at full speed and jumping right now. So uh, they don't know where he is in his recovery. And on top of that, they've never seen him play in person. Uh, so, I mean, I think that there's just a little bit of hesitancy maybe uh, on both sides to not rush into something, uh, you know, because there's, I guess, some still some things that need to be figured out um, on both ends. But Donovan is still committed. Um, he was at the game uh, on Saturday, sitting right next to Hunter Salas, who was on an official visit to kid from Miller North. Uh, so uh, I saw him the other day. He was wearing a Nebraska pullover. So, I mean, I, as far as what I've seen and heard, he's still all in on the Huskers. But I think, you know, there's just some some stuff that, you know, some questions he needs to be answered here uh, before he decides to put it pen to paper. Very good. Well, I mentioned it's crossover season. Huskers still have three games on the gridiron starting Saturday with Wisconsin. I don't know, Robin, at the Monday press conference, listening to some of the guys, there seemed to be kind of a freshness about them. Maybe the, the second bye week helped them clear their heads a little bit. Can you foresee an upset maybe here in the last three weeks with this team? 
It would have to be um, a perfect storm, at least for, for Saturday, uh, for them to, to win that game just because that's such a tough matchup. And it's especially tough because uh, Wisconsin is a team that you need to play well for four full quarters to have a chance. And Nebraska has yet to do that all season long. I mean, they've had glimpses where they've looked really, really good and put it all together for a quarter, a half, or even three full quarters. But then there's always that drop-off. And that drop-off has bit them far too often this season to where consistency is a major concern for this team right now. Um, And again, we've seen it even go back to last year where Nebraska did a pretty good job. They put up a lot of yards uh, against Wisconsin and, you know, relatively contained uh, that Badger run game. But when it came down to the fourth quarter, eventually that defense wore down and Wisconsin took the game over. And so until Nebraska can prove that it can play four quarters of quality football, it's very difficult for me to pick them uh, to, to really have much of a chance to win. But uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. Nebraska proved they can, like I said, they, they could make plays against this defense. Uh, J.D. Spielman set the single season um, receiving record, a uh, single game receiving record last time they played them. Um, Adrian Martinez, you know, maybe there's some momentum he built at the end of that Purdue game where you know, he's finally starting to figure it out a little bit. Um, and, you know, the defense, we'll see where, where they are. This is by far their most physical ch- challenge of the season. Um, but if the stars align and all those things, you know, kind of happen at the same time, then uh, there's sure going to be a chance, but I'm kind of in, I need to see it before I can believe it mode. Yep. No doubt. Robin, we appreciate it. We know you're really busy. Have a great weekend. You're going to be busy, but uh, we'll see you at the stadium on Saturday. Yeah. Better busy than bored. So thanks for having me. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Under center is Plummer. Turns play actions out of this little shovel pass. It's intercepted. Picked off by Darian Daniels. 10-5. Now to the three-yard line. Darian Daniels picked off the shovel pass and runs it down to the three. Oh, we almost had a big man score right there. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Two wideouts left, one to the near side. Snap back to Plummer. Looking to the near side. Holt throws the deep fade pass. Is intercepted. Lamar Jackson picks it off. It was intended for David Bell, Jackson's third pick of the season, the fifth of his career. With the head coach, Scott Frost. First and goal at the four. Adrian in the gun. Gets the shotgun snap. Got a quarterback run it to the five. He dives. Touchdown, Nebraska. A leaping dive into the end zone by Adrian Martinez. And the Huskers have the lead back here in West Lafayette. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our football show for this week. Huskers back in action on Saturday after the bye week against the Wisconsin Badgers. 11 o'clock kickoff. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of the program tonight. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Two bye weeks in a year. It's a real rarity. It happens, I think, every five or six years. How was last week maybe different than the one you had after the game in October? Did you treat it differently? Um, we treated it for the most part the same, giving our guys a chance to recover but still work on things to keep getting better and uh, maybe spent a little more time even dialing down on recruiting uh, than we had, and, and that needs to keep having a lot of our attention. You traveled a little bit last week, and there were some shots of you up in the Omaha area. Um, pretty rare to get the head coach out during the season, but it's probably you probably enjoyed getting out and doing seeing some kids. Yeah, especially around here. Uh, I'm kind of excited about the – the crop of talent that's coming up through the state and through the area and region. And, um, you know, we need to get out and see those guys and make sure we keep them home. It's, it's an interesting balance to try to get, have a practice being done, but have your coaches get out and, and get some touch points with some student athletes around the country that you're certainly interested in. You feel like you're used to that now? The third year, I guess, of that December signing period. Yeah, I, I, I like the early signing period. I, you know, I think it's maybe not – an advantage for Nebraska we have to you know use official visits to get kids up here to Lincoln because we're not that close to as many recruits um, so we need to fast track that a little we weren't able to bring as many last spring as we would have liked because uh, we we didn't have that many visits that were left to our staff when we, when we got uh, there for our first recruiting class um, hopefully we'll be able to bring more in the spring next year but it, it certainly fast tracks it and um, feel good about where we are we need to close on some kids here 
How uh, how tough was it to go back to watch the Purdue game? There were a lot of missed opportunities in that one for you. Yeah, there's been missed opportunities in several games, and uh, with a few plays here and there, the record would be completely different, and this year would be completely different. But that's why we have to keep working, and coaches and players alike have to keep doing things just a little bit better to get this over the hump. How much do you sit there and break it down for the players and go, these five plays determine the outcome of that game, these four plays over here determine the outcome? I mean, it really comes down to that. In a league as competitive as the Big Ten, it's usually going to be that way. Yeah, in this league, every team's pretty good. Every team's coached well. Uh, one or two guys can make a difference in, in one or two plays. We, we did that in both bye weeks. As you watch the, you know, I watched the entire game with the offense, and uh, in the two games following bye weeks, it was easy to look at, at plays and said that there were several plays, a dozen, a dozen or more plays that would have changed the outcome of the game. And uh, we got we to gotta start making those plays. Adrian, almost a month between the times that he played from the Northwestern game when he got hurt to when he got out on the field against Purdue, it sure seemed to me that he got better as the game went along. Did, is that, did the tape bear that out, that he played better late than he did early in the game? I think so as a whole. Um, he made some fantastic plays early. He just missed some things that he wouldn't normally miss early. And, uh, again, he, I, I really admire him. He's, he's still not playing 100% healthy, but – He's courageous and he's tough, and um, you know it's tough to be at your best when you're not feeling at your best. But that's kind of football too, and I, I think there was a little rust to shake off. But um, he he did a lot of good things in in the Purdue game, and and obviously there was a, a few plays here and there that you know if we would have made it, it would have changed the outcome. But um, I, I I feel great about him making those plays going forward. He's a stand-up guy. He stood up and, and said after the game that it, you know, it was on him. He didn't make the right plays. You played this that position at this school. I think you probably would agree the quarterback probably gets too much credit when things go right and too much blame when things don't go right. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, and you want to be in that position where everybody's attention is on you, and there's no place like Nebraska for that. Uh, but there's good and bad that comes along with that. And um, going through a little bit of the – the dark side of that made me a better player, and I think it'll do the same with Adrian. Okay, you were out recruiting last week. Um, the early signing period is December the 18th. Are you comfortable with where you are with that class? Do you need some momentum? Where, where do you kind of feel here with the, about five weeks to go before that period? Well, we feel like we're real close with a few guys, and you know, every time you, you get a, a commit or two, um, it really helps you then focus your attention on the – remaining guys that you're that you're looking at and trying to get into the program so everyone helps and um you know I'd, i would probably like to be in a place where we have a few more commitments right now when we started this process uh, we thought we'd only have about 17 scholarships to give and that number's grown more than we thought so i think we're to the point we can sign a full class and we got some work to do to get there you've had several of those guys in that recruiting office with you from your days back to ucf how comfortable are you with that group that does a lot of that legwork to set it out there and go to one of your coaches and say all right these are the three i need you to look at or call or whatever today how about the work those guys behind the scenes do for this program they do a great job uh, sean Dillon and and trent mossbrucker and um those guys kind of lead it um Sean does a great job of evaluation. I really agree with him 99% of the time on evaluation, and he's done a great job so we can be efficient with the guys we get. Uh, Trent does a, a great job organizing, and, and Ryan Callahan does a good job, too, keeping everybody on the ball and making sure the right phone calls are being made and the uh, right people are being uh, called and, and gotten in touch with. So it's a good group, and they're going to be key as, as we go down the stretch of this recruiting process. Glad you were able to mention their names because they don't get mentioned a lot, but I know they put in tons of hours getting you guys set up because you're coaching a team and trying to do all that. I just, and going through all the tapes, all the huddle tapes, whatever it may be. Still 25% of this season yet to play. Yeah, and, and I think I'm excited about it. Um, they helped, and, you know, the excitement on the program, the energy around the program, the vast, vast majority of the teams excited to, to keep going on this process, to get out there and play and, and keep getting better, and uh, hopefully that happens Saturday. The goal is, has always been to get off to postseason. You need to get two of these three. It's not going to be easy, but it's certainly doable for this team to get that extra month of practice and get the reward of a bowl game. It is, and we put ourselves in this position because it, it should certainly be better at this point than it is. Um, could easily be in a place where we're already there. Um, now we put ourselves in, in a tough situation where we got to win two out of three against some good teams. Uh, but 
I'm just excited to get back out with the team again after a couple weeks off, and I think the guys feel the same way. Huskers coming off of the bye week, got the coaches out last week to do some recruiting, got a lot of high school playoffs going on around the country. So a lot of young high school players, coach, are probably done if their teams didn't make a deep advance in the playoffs. That probably helps having a home game then to get some kids in here to visit because their high school seasons are finished. Yeah, we're recruiting some that are done, some some that are still playing. Playoffs happen at different times in different states, but um, it's exciting to watch the playoffs. And we want as many kids that come from winning programs yeah. as we can. When you're used to winning, you find ways to win. You're uh, you you get a chance on Fridays to uh, watch some of your younger guys scrimmage. I know that's a pretty exciting time for the coaches because a lot of those kids spend most of the week on scout team, so they don't get to run your stuff. They have to kind of act like they're the opponent for several days, but they get to run your actions on Friday. Are you encouraged by what you see from some of those young freshmen that are going to be redshirting this year? Yeah, that that period has looked a lot better this year than it, than it did a year ago, and there's some guys that I think are going to be ready to help soon and there's some other guys I think will be ready to help down the road and um, the more of those reps they get the, the better they are at running the things that we expect them to run. You know you keep getting asked at your Monday press conferences about some of those young linemen and I think the perception the feeling is a lot of times it takes a offensive particularly offensive lineman a little bit longer to get ready to play to get up to snuff because when they were in high school the year before they're just so much bigger than the kids they're playing against they don't have to have great technique and all those things but I know talking to you and Coach Austin, you guys are still pretty high in that group of young freshman offensive linemen. They're going to be helpful to this program down the road. I know there's several of them that are going to help us be better next year. Um, it's tough to come in as a freshman, particularly on, in the trenches in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, when you're bigger and stronger than people in high school, you, you like you said, you can just kind of Shut lean up. on people. Uh, that's different than, than coming off and, and trying to dominate a a 21 or 22 year old in this league and um, plus we get a lot more looks than they got and they have to be dialed in on assignment and technique to, to all those different things and it, it does it takes a while it's not as simple as getting the ball handed off to you and using your instinct to run or just running a route here and there but uh, we're really high on on that group of young guys yeah I mean Matt Davison's the prime example of a guy who can come in and just run around and play as a true freshman it's harder to do it in the trenches so well, you'd think if he could do it anybody could <laughs> but uh, it, it is easier at some yeah. at skills positions sometimes no doubt how big of a sell is it to play in the Big Ten when you go out and about and tell people get a chance to play in the Big Ten, one of the best conferences in the country. Yeah, I don't think the Big Ten gets enough credit. I, I think this is a good league, I, um, top to bottom. Uh, there's a lot of kids leaving this league and, and going on to careers in football, and um, it's definitely a, a selling point for us. Huskers will take on Wisconsin on Saturday. The Badgers have had a very nice season. They've stumbled a couple times in the last few weeks, but when you dove into the tape and started looking at Wisconsin, let's start with them on defense. What do they look like to you defensively? Uh, really sound, really stout, uh, have good players at every level. Um, a lot like other teams, you know, they're going to try to be physical and load the box and, and take away the run and, um, you know, play coverage and keep everything in front of them and try not to give up big plays in the past game and um, you know they've, they've been running the scheme for a while and uh, we had some success last year uh, yardage wise but they did a good job stopping us and, and not letting us score and um, I think this is one of the better defenses in the league and maybe the country. Yeah, statistically, they would they would bear that out. Offensively, it looks like they're getting better play at the quarterback position this year than maybe they did last year. Different guy playing that spot for them. Yeah, I really think that the quarterback they have, if they asked him to go out and win games for him, he could. Um, but when you have one of the best running backs uh, in the country, then you you put a lot on him and, and the offensive line, and that's what they do. Uh, they're a team that knows their identity, and they're good at it. Jonathan Taylor is that back. We were in, he was in Chicago as part of Big Ten Media Days. He got asked about the current rule right now, Coach, for college players is you have to, you have to spend three years in college before you're eligible for the NFL draft. You okay with that, or should it be two years and then you're eligible? Should it not be eligible after three? Where is it right now? And that's obviously the NFL's got to play in this as well. I'm pretty comfortable with where it is. You know, I, I was lucky enough to hang on for a while in the NFL and saw six or seven uh, crops of rookies, and I was one myself. And I probably wasn't uh, of the maturity level at, at the age when I was a rookie to make smart decisions. Um, I think if you if you cut it back by a year. Um, there'd be even fewer people that are that are ready for that kind of physical and off the field challenge. 
This kid might be might have been ready a year ago. Jonathan Taylor. He's physically looks like he could play in the league right right now. Oh, yeah, I don't, have, I don't have any doubt that he, that he could have. Um, he he's a special player. People look at them and say they're very simple on offense, but really they're not, are they? They in some ways they kind of remind me of the '90s Huskers, where people go, oh, they just do this and that. But there's a lot of wrinkles and formations they can run off a pretty basic set. No, I think I don't think they're simple at all. I think they're they're pretty. They're creative, um, give you a lot of different looks. Um, their, their creativity just comes from more uh, tight sets and, and big personnel sets than most people uh, that fans are used to watching right now. Big offensive line again, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that, that's the way they have it built. They've had time in their program to build it the way they want, and um, they lose, I think, four offensive linemen from the, from the group last year, but then they replace them with redshirt juniors and – uh, fifth-year seniors and, and guys that have been in the program and know what they're doing and are physically ready to, to take on the challenge. So, um, you know, that, again, that's that's where we need to get in at a lot of our different positions where we have veterans playing with, with guys ready to take over when they're done. How do you feel like your defensive line has played throughout the year? Has it been spotty? Has it been mostly solid? How would you characterize it? You know, overall um, – to the untrained eye, it might not look that good. The D-line's D, D done pretty well. Um, and we have to get more pass rush. I think we've talked about that at length. But uh, in the run game, most of our issues have come from second and third level guys being not being quite where they're supposed to be or getting there in time. Um, and there's been some on the D-line for sure. But, but that group's played pretty well all year. Almost had a big man touchdown in the Purdue game. That would have been exciting. Yeah, especially uh, <laughs> since we failed to get it in on offense. Uh, that, that would have been the, the four points that we needed. He's been a nice addition. Uh, you, you utilize the, the senior transfer rule pretty effectively with Darian. Darian's been um, maybe our best leader on the whole team, uh, and he's been a really solid player, and he, he's just a, a great guy to be around. So I, I'm lucky to have been around him for the time that I have. Has he been a good influence on his younger brother? Do you think he's helped Damian? Absolutely, and he's helped a lot more people than that. Asked you in the last segment about the defensive line. How about the offensive line? What have you seen progress with that group as the seasons moved on? Yeah, progress. Um, you know, we're, we're really happy with with Matt Farniak. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I, I think, and and hopefully next year, I think we'll be able to move him inside, and he probably would do even better there. Uh, but he's been really good for us. Brendan Hymas is really talented, has been really, really solid for us. Um, we're just kind of young in the middle. Um, I think Bo Wilson has, has done a good job this year. He's, he's been fighting through a, a little bit of uh, pain here and there, uh, but he's a fighter. Um, you know, Cam, Cam Jurgens going to be a special yeah. player, but he's playing O-line for the first time. and. Um, and then the left guard Hickson's done a good job. Uh, Bando's doing a good job, but you know those guys are are playing for their first time too. And um, that that group has gotten better, but I, I think it's going to improve by leap, leaps and bounds down the road. How did Hickson respond? He got pulled from the Minnesota game. You went with Bando in that second half. How did he respond to that? He responded well. Uh, he's a team guy, and he, he works his butt off. And um, you know, in an ideal world, we'd be able to rotate. Uh, three or four guys and uh, probably four guys in the middle and three guys that tackle and and be able to spell guys sometimes so having a little bit of depth is is a good thing christian gaylord going down in this in the august camp really thins you out of tackle and you you i'm sure hold your breath most games that hymas and farniak stay upright in those games you, you need those guys to play a lot of snaps for you yeah, uh, there's been some other places where we're real, th real thin and, and weren't as lucky with, with injuries and, and other issues. Uh, that's one spot where, knock on wood, those guys have, have stayed healthy and we need them to be on the field. You did mention today at your media session that Noah Polagates' season is over, got hurt, I guess, last week in practice, and he'll be done for the season, correct? Yeah, and uh, we'll have him back for spring ball. He's excited about that. We're excited about him. Uh, he had a a uh, kneecap issue, kind of pretty similar to Patrick Mahomes, actually. And uh, you can either rehab it and try to get it better or, or uh, have a, a surgery to get it fixed. And uh, for his long-term success, we wanted to get it fixed, and uh, he'll be ready to go for spring ball. I think if you look back at that 19 class, it was it's going to be known for the offensive line, and you addressed that a little earlier about you're excited about that group, that freshman group, and probably those DBs. And Noah was one of those guys with Farmer, Newsom. And uh, Javon, uh, Javon Wright, those guys 
you happy with those that group back there? Yeah, the DBs have some talent. Uh, you know, Wright and Newsom and Farmer and and NPG. Um, all four have a chance to be good, really good players for us, and, and that whole class um, we're really high on. And uh, we got to keep putting some guys and, and stacking up some people behind them because uh, I think that that group's going to be pretty special. Braxton Clark got a lot of snaps. In fact, made a start against Purdue with. Cam Tater Britt being ill and not able to make the trip. How did Braxton grade out in that game? Braxton did well. Uh, we didn't get beat on a lot of passes in our secondary. Uh, it was more underneath things and uh, some of the underneath coverages that were some issues. And, and we got to do a better job of putting those guys in position as a coaching staff, uh, not not to be put in positions where, where that are tough for them to succeed at. But I, I thought the secondary uh, held their own. And, and Braxton, uh, that was that was good good experience for him. I thought he did a great job uh, being thrown into that situation. With Lamar's career winding down, Braxton got a chance to be a starter for you, I would think, next year. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of competition at, at DB down the road. DiCaprio Boodle, because of Cam Tater Britt's illness, you played him at safety. Has he played? I don't know if he's played much safety in his life, has he? Uh, I, I guess I don't know. He hasn't played much for us. Um, he, he's a good athlete, he, and he's a, a great, great person, good teammate. Um, I like being around him every day. Yeah, he, he battles hard out there for you. Thursday night, it's time to talk to Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, I, I've, uh, we're Twitter buddies, as we've talked about in the past. So I think you and I are kind of thinking the same thing. The college football poll week number two came out Tuesday. Teddy, it looks to me like they're trying to set this thing up to be two SEC teams in this thing. What do you think? Yeah, I think our suspicions uh, were right to be uh, a, a little alarmed here. Uh, when you see Paul Feinbaum already saying, I think Alabama's still a top four team. It's like, yeah, dude, based on what? Based on previous years? Based on the recruiting rankings? I mean, it's not based on the football this year. I mean, all Alabama's beaten is Texas A&M. They've played a grand total of two road games this year. Obviously just lost to LSU at home, gave up 33 points in the first half. So enough with the whole Alabama's automatically in the playoff. I mean, play somebody, man. Don't play a joke non-conference schedule where it's, Duke and three complete clowns. I mean, if you're that good, beat, beat somebody. So it's disappointing, maybe not that surprising to see people react that way. And um, hopefully the the committee will not. And, and I think this is really a good year for only one SEC team to make it, unless, of course, uh, the winner of the East beats LSU, in which case – LSU absolutely deserves to be in the playoff because at least the Tigers have a bunch of good wins. Yeah, you know, I really think a, a, a minimum requirement needs to be you need to win your division. Not necessarily your league, but your division. And Bama's certainly not going to do that now. I'm with you, but when I saw that they were at five, I'm like, oh, this is perfectly set up for them to finish in the top four with where this goes. It bothers me. Teddy, I, I think some of the best stories in the year come in the Big Ten Conference. <laughs> And, yeah. and Minnesota, how about the the year they're putting mm. together? What and, and their performance last week? It was uh, such a thrilling game. I, I mean, I, I love the fact that Minnesota not only won, but won convincingly, won in entertaining fashion. Uh, they don't have to apologize for anybody. That was uh, one of the more uh, fun to watch games of the year. Great crowd. I, I mean, there must have, it looked like there were about eighty thousand people field after the game, which is impressive. I think because the stadium seats about fifty five. So. Good for them. Uh, Penn State, I, I, I kind of saw this coming. Penn State had been in a tricky spot its previous three games. You know, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, it's hard to get up four for more straight games. Minnesota had been lying in the weeds. It obviously just been beaten up on uh, some of the weaker teams in the West. And uh, it was excellent. Tanner Morgan, 18 for Ooh. 20. It's pretty good. It's pretty good for a kid who was, uh, you know, going to be a quarterback in the MAC until P.J. Fleck decided to go to uh, Minnesota. Very, very solid, and they've got a heck of a game with Iowa coming up on Saturday. The other really good story in the league, to me, is, is in your state, is what Lovey has done with Illinois. Aren't you amazed yeah. by that? I am completely astounded, uh, beyond amazed. I mean, when they when Lovey was 4-26 and in Big Ten play, and I got 
whoever agents and whatnot, you know, here's the list. Here's who they're going to look at. It's done. He had to make a, a bowl this season. It didn't happen. And then, you know, the shocker against Wisconsin, they get that last second field goal, play a really good game and then just keep rolling. And um, to do that against Michigan state, I mean, Sparty, my God, I, I don't know if you ended up seeing some highlights or lowlights from that game, but I thought Brian Lewerke was a better player than that, man. He is sloppy, but let's give it up to Illinois. That was still playing hard down 25, forcing fumbles, making picks, doing enough on offense. That is a absolutely crazy, remarkable midseason turnaround. Sure is. And they may have supplied the final nail in the coffin of D'Antonio, don't you think? Has to be. Has to to be i mean it is malpractice for michigan state you know higher ups to keep mark d'antonio at this point and i hope coach d as they call him is smart enough to to step away because at the very least they have to reconstruct an offensive staff and you're not going to get any good assistant coaches in there knowing that i mean mark is just hanging on by a thread so he's had an amazing run at michigan state it ended poorly but don't carry on man you got to know when when the time is right to get out well and so michigan state may be in the market here real soon for a coach you've been working on a story about these guys who go out and try to find a perfect fit between coach and school correct yeah greg thanks for for asking i just posted on uh twitter a little earlier today did a piece on a guy named glenn sugiyama who is probably known to 0.0 of your listeners He's a headhunter, so he works for one of these executive search firms. There's seven or eight that, that do a ton of work. And I, I tell you what, I feel like I know a little something about the industry, and yet I was completely ignorant about these guys. You know, you mentioned, okay, a search firm. I think, okay, you know, they, they uh, organize the interviews. They run a bunch of background checks to make sure, you know, nobody's been arrested. So there's no George O'Leary situation. Nobody's fibbing on their resume. But guys like Glenn do an incredible amount of stuff and are much more influential than we knew. I mean, they are really helping steer these searches toward particular candidates. They're finding out about buyout information. They are, in Purdue's case and Jeff Brom, helping Purdue cross the finish line, convincing Jeff Brom to leave Western Kentucky uh, to take the leap to Purdue. So it's also kind of funny because they, they operate in, in such secret that one time, Glenn was trying to throw off the media and uh, some technologically savvy fans. So he sent a plane to Boise, Idaho <laughs> to try to get people <laughs> to think he was going there to interview the Boise coach. So it, it's kind of a fun world that I think has not been written about very much. Well, yeah, certainly it looks like Michigan State might be using his or someone's service like that here in the coming weeks with, with D'Antonio. They play Michigan on Saturday. Uh, I know we're also in that crossover month where college basketball is cranked up, and boy, yeah. the Northwestern Wildcats are easy to figure out, I guess, right? <laughs> that was so weird. Now, fortunately, I was not at their game Friday against Merrimack because I was at a Duke. That's a whole other kind of story with Coach K and an NCAA violation, if you're curious. But I did cover the game last night where they played Providence, and I would have thought they would have lost by 20, and Northwestern comes out. They're up by 20 in the second half. They're running a zone that has Providence completely confused, and Northwestern wins the game. They, they beat a team that has made the NCAA tournament five in the last six years. Uh, so just so we you know, thought we could assume that Northwestern and Nebraska are going to be the last two in the Big Ten, who knows? Northwestern actually has some talent, uh, some pretty good shooters, some good young players. Now, they did commit 20 turnovers and still won the game, which is pretty remarkable. But, uh, you know, a good sign for a Northwestern fan base that is uh, desperate for any kind of victories from football or med hoops. Yeah, that's part of the – they were part of that Gavit games, which continue tonight with a couple of games as well. All right, um, what's your, what are your plans for the weekend? What's on your docket here? Well, had some had some really intriguing choices here, Greg. There was, you know, Navy, Notre Dame, <laughs> uh, UMass against Northwestern, um, one of the worst games uh, I'm just going to say in college football history is coming to <laughs> coming to Ryan Field. So I got some of my boys who are, who are going off to Vegas this weekend, and I said, you know nice. what, this is not something I would normally do during college football season, but I am going to have a good time out there, man. I'm going to be camped at a sportsbook Saturday, watching as many games as humanly possible. And uh, there's some great games. I'm absolutely fired up to watch. So 75 and sunny in Vegas tomorrow, man. I'm going to work on my tan. It'll be my last chance for a while. 
Oh, you're living the dream doing that thing. So you, <laughs> you spend one weekend in Durham, North Carolina, and now you're going to be in Vegas. That's about as far apart as you can get. That's it. Columbus next week for uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and then uh, Ohio State, Michigan to wrap it up. So uh, we'll get back on the football wheel real soon after this one. Very good. All right, we'll travel safe. We'll talk again next Thursday. Thanks so much, Greg. Be good. Time for us to give you a practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. With JTEC Construction, it's simple. When it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call for a free no-obligation assessment. Well, we just heard from head coach Scott Frost from 7 to 8 o'clock. He met with members of the media following the workout for the Huskers day today and uh, at first started out by talking about Wisconsin and what they do well, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. We're not going to get very many chances, first of all. You know, in a game like this, I assume they're going to try to control the clock on offense. You have to be efficient. Uh, I think they have good players at all three levels. Uh, obviously, 56 is a pretty special player, uh, pass rush and everything else, but he's surrounded by a bunch of good players. Um, you know, they're going to try to lock you down outside and load the box, make it hard to run, and uh, have pretty tight coverage on your guys. So uh, we have to block well, and we have to have to run good routes and complete some. Stout unit, you talked with the head coach about that that side of the ball a little bit ago. There, there's not a lot that they don't do right. They've had several shutouts this year. They didn't trail in a game until the final play against Illinois, and then they were down quite a bit in the, the game to Ohio State. They did fall behind 3 nothing to Iowa last week, but that defense is really sound. 31 sacks, Ben, is what they have through nine games. So they get to the quarterback. They force turnovers. Uh, they're stout. They're really difficult to move the football on. Huskers are, of course, coming off a, a bye week, and with that tends a little bit to have a little bit more excitement to get out there and play again. What What is the level of excitement that the Huskers have? Here's Coach Frost. I tell you what, the, yeah, the vast majority of our team is positive, excited, uh, excited for the game this weekend, excited for things in the future. Um, it's not all, but it's the vast majority, and I've loved the energy uh, all week, especially today. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't like to hear vast majority. You like to hear everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did say that with us again here tonight as well, but uh, well, hopefully the impact guys and the guys that are going to be out there, it means something to them. You know, you're dealing with 152 guys, 52, 53, whatever it is, the number. It's just north of 150. You're probably going to have some that just aren't, all in. I mean, that's the odds are pretty good. You're going to have a couple that just don't really feel like they want to be here. What was the one comedy said that something about we have some some walk-ons who maybe are just there for the gear or something like that? So that you know, and he didn't say this to us, but to speculate, you had a you had a walk-on who put his name in a transfer portal this week. So you maybe that was one of them. So uh, you, you're right. You'd like to hear it all, but. My world, 150 some guys. It's really difficult to get all those guys that are going to want to be pulling for the same cause. One guy that is pulling for the same cause and is all in. There's no debating that is Wandale Robinson, and with his tremendous play so far this year, he was uh, rewarded with uh, a finalist position in the Paul Horning Award watch list today. One of four finalists, and Coach Frost addressed that today. Yeah, Wandale's a weapon for us. He's going to be a weapon around here for a long time. Uh, he's a really good person on top of being a good player so we're lucky to have him in the program and I think you've only started to see uh, all the things that Wandale's going to be able to do for us. He is just a freshman. Coach Frost talked about why the success and how he's able to have success as a as a first-year player. Yeah it says we recruited the right guy. Um, again I think he's just going to continue to get better and we're going to have more and more ways that we can use him so uh, congratulations to him and um, hope we have more guys up for, for awards in the future. Uh, Coach Frost said he, they're not certain on the status of J.D. Spielman and if he'll uh, be able to, or excuse me, Wandale Robinson Wandale. to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, Wandale was uh, dealing with an injury late in the Purdue game, and uh, although he was named to the Horning Award watch list, not sure of his status, said, you know, he'll give it a go uh, at least throughout the week and just kind of see where he's at on Saturday morning. But speaking of J.D. Spielman, he had a career high in receiving yardage against Wisconsin last year, over 200 receiving yards. Uh, is that something that can happen again? And, and how much does Nebraska need to get him involved against the Badgers? 
Yeah, the way they play defense, you're going to have to hit some shots on them. Um, you know, watch the, they're not going to give you much easy. It's, it's hard to grind out drives against these guys, so uh, you're going to have to try to make a big play here and there. You know, watching the, the teams that have done okay against them, um, pop a long run or hit a couple long passes, and uh, that keeps in the game with them. And, and those big plays has to have to happen. Last year, we had uh, one big play to, to JD, uh, we, but we had quite a few like yards last year and, and didn't score enough points. So uh, if we can somehow emulate the ability to move the ball, we, we got to finish some of those plays and, and get them to the end zone. Going back and watching the Iowa game with Wisconsin last week, Iowa did push the ball down the field a couple of times and got some big plays. They had about an 80-yard 80, 80 touchdown pass. That's I think you have to try to loosen that defense up a little bit. So even if you don't maybe make connections on some long pass plays, that maybe keeps those safeties laying back a little bit that you can get some stuff underneath to develop. So I would expect Nebraska to take several shots in this game. Yeah, I would expect that too, and hopefully they can hit a few of them. And if not – you know, Adrian Martinez with his legs, I think, is probably the next best option. Let's go to the other side of the ball. And Noah Pola Gates, Nebraska, true freshman uh, who has kept the red shirt on this year, uh, put something on social media about, about healing. And Coach Frost addressed the circumstances around a potential injury. Yeah, I can talk about that. Noah had, uh, during our bye week, uh, we were mixing it up pretty good, and he got rolled up on a little bit and had a, a surgery that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season, and he should be back for spring ball. Nice to hear that it'll at least be back for spring ball, but uh, for those looking forward to seeing Pola Gates here in the last few games, unfortunately won't happen this year. Keeps that red shirt on, though. Mm-hmm. So you still have four years, and you got you got a little bit of a taste, playing some special teams in some games. Heck of a player coming out of high school, and you certainly hope he can get live up to that potential in his career in, in Lincoln. Yeah, part of that young group uh, in the back end that, that the coaches are very excited about and have a fair amount of talent back there in the, in the secondary with this true freshman. Um energy level where is it at right now what did the bye week give this team uh in terms of motivation and energy here's head coach scott frost uh you know sometimes you get in in the mix of the midst of the season and and every day is kind of the same and it, it can be a grind um and and you gotta uh during that grind look up and realize where you are and let that renew your spirit and your energy um a vast majority of our guys love each other love being around each other love football are excited about the improvements they've made and and uh, where where everything's going and uh, I think a little bit of time off lets you stop and realize where you're at and uh, I've really seen a, a boost of energy this week so hopefully it carries over to Saturday. I mean you hope they come out with a little bit of fire a little bit of passion for those seniors just two times left at Memorial Stadium so only two more times you're going to be able to run out of that tunnel and you know, hear that song and go play for the home fans. I expect it, don't you? I think there'll be a lot of energy for this team. I, you know, I think and we've talked about this during the week. I think the first bye week after the Minnesota game was much needed physically. I think the second bye week probably was very needed mentally after heartbreaking losses to Indiana and Purdue to kind of clean the mind and go, 25% of the season is still out there. Let's go make something happen. Let's get ourselves in the postseason play. So I, I totally expect this team to play with a great deal of energy and excitement on Saturday. Is it enough to win? I don't know. But you, you give yourself a chance if you go out and play hard. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you just hope that, uh, you know, the opportunity, you seize it. You just go take advantage of it. And, you know, hopefully those guys that are asked to make plays, you can go out and do the things that you need to do and execute on enough plays to win the game and play And more importantly, just play enough winning football. I mean, let's just eliminate the losing plays and make Wisconsin beat you. Thanks to Band of Tim, to Mick, and everybody for being a part of this one tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll talk again tomorrow.